Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Sorry, guys, I'm out of practice. Okay, if you're a regular listener, you may have noticed that we've taken a bit of a hiatus from the air for a while now. That's going to keep happening. Um, You know, that's just the way it is. It's the way of the business. More on that in a future episode. This episode was recorded on the 7th of June, not long after the SpaceX the SpaceX launch. Words are hard. I figured with all the bad news going around, we'd talk about something hopeful or at least something we could look fondly back in this current abomination of the annual lap we take around the sun. I'm not a very good writer. I'm reading what I wrote, so deal with it. We also had the awesome fortune of bringing back Dr. Green to discuss the SpaceX launch, among other things. Enough for me. Enjoy. There we go. All right, we're recording. So I've actually been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, I got to say, it's great to have you back, Dr. Green, because honestly, uh, we've gotten a lot of compliments. Well, we've gotten like one compliment from my mother. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> about your return. But no, in all seriousness, we're glad to have you back. And Obviously, the topic uh, we're going to be covering about is uh, is space, specifically how we seem to have sent the McKenzie brothers, Bob and Doug, off in a private, privately owned spaceship. So now corporations, uh, the corporations, man, they're they're taking over space, man. That's 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 how it's going. How have you been? How have you been? I've been I've been good. I mean, obviously, like a lot of people, you know, I've been watching this with a great deal of interest and. Uh, Obviously, very uh, happy and a little bit relieved that uh, the uh, launch in the United States last week went really well, and that uh, instead of what they call the two dads at NASA, Bob and Doug, together, uh, were successful in getting up to the International Space Station. So, quite an accomplishment, uh, both for a private company in the United States to do that, being the SpaceX being the first to do it, and also just in general, nice to see that uh, there's other options back on the table after such a long time. Whiskey, did you actually watch the space launch? I think you said you hadn't. No, I was working. <laughs> Last time I watched, it didn't go so well. It turned into a fireball, and people were still on board. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't need my, my job is already going to ruin my day. I don't want to add anything to it. Yeah. You, you can catch it on YouTube, you know. <clears throat> yep, you can go back and watch it. My wife was passed out for it. I went back, turned it on, and, uh, and started watching it uh, again with her just to relive the the fan it was it's not as good as it was the first time live <laughs> you know you've always got that sort of pit in your stomach you're like okay is it gonna blow up now is it gonna blow up now <laughs> i know i felt that the entire way it's like don't blow up don't blow up don't blow up <laughs> but like okay so that's a that's a good question for you because um obviously now it's being I wouldn't say it's being run by a corporation, but they have, like, is that how it's working? Like, SpaceX is actually, as a private corporation, doing it themselves? Or is this more NASA-led with SpaceX input? Yeah, so so it's a, it's a bit of an interesting evolution. So if you, if you take a step back and you go back to the old uh, days of Mercury and Gemini and Apollo, sort of the, you know, the dominant space research, like, private companies built those spacecraft that the astronauts used like, to go to the moon, for example, like Grumman, which was a tiny factory in Long Island at the time, built the lunar module. They, they were private companies, but but they built everything to NASA's specifications. So NASA gave them the plans, said, you build me this spacecraft, and then they, they went and built it, that sort of thing. What's different this time is that NASA isn't telling the companies what to build. All they've done is give them requirements, like you know, make a spaceship that can get astronauts from Florida to the International Space Station. So this now allows the diversity that you see not only just in the approaches to getting into orbit, but also you know everything right down to you know different spacesuits, the interiors of the spacecraft themselves. Uh, you know, you look at the spaceship that Boeing is building; it's got lots of like buttons and widgets. It looks kind of old school, if you will. And of course, I think a lot of people have seen the inside of SpaceX's Dragon uh, crew module, and of course, it's all flat screens and you know, it's run on Linux. So, and that's that's a fact. So, I mean, is it run on Linux? 
Yeah, they use Linux, actually, as their operating system. Yep. That's <laughs> so, crazy. Well, you know, the last thing you want during a launch is, you know, your computer's going to auto-restart in 5150. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, well, the countdown timer is like nine seconds. That was nine seconds difference, yeah. <laughs> well, but, but, but I think that raises other questions, though. Uh, so Maxar's failed launch of, of the satellite, uh, the satellite payload, um, I think it was 2015. The course case, court case wrapped up in at the end of December 2019, and essentially Maxar uh, built a um, a series of communication satellites, and uh, because the contractors used sub sub uh, standard material, it, 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 some the uh, the payload failed to be delivered, and I think that it blew up in space. It was like a three year court battle. Um, anyways, they, they got, they got restitution, but it, it's, it's, it's still like, there's that ethical, uh, ethical paradigm where you, you're, you're looking at national interests versus personal interests and they, they have to align properly. And, and you say, well, build this. I, I mean, there's a set of standards in, in behind there that, that needs to exist. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the industry versus standards versus commercial applications paradigm? Yeah. I mean, I think I think in this business, because of the nature of the cargo and the amount of prestige that's attached to it, um, you know, failure is not an option to use a coin an old space age term. Only because you know, if you get it wrong once, you probably will never get a chance to do it again. And uh, you know, so there's that aspect of it in terms of the standards. Uh, two, you know, companies like SpaceX have repeatedly proven themselves not only to meet the standards that are required, uh, but also exceed them. And as a result, they've, they've taken on the giants, if you will. Now, here's a guy that started with PayPal and a, and a, you know, and a, and a Tesla electric car company, and he sort of bumped Boeing and, and Lockheed over to and said, you know, make room for me, uh, and has sort of come up in the middle and has done a lot of things that you know, these other companies just simply couldn't seek to master. So, so I think there's a lot of confidence there, just for starters. I think they, they realize that SpaceX is one of these companies that doesn't only just do what you ask them to do, but it's really interesting things. Uh, like the Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's different, right? It's a, it's a very, very sort of different approach. Do you, do you think there's room for uh, Virgin Galactic in the, in, in the space industry for the U.S. or Europe? Yeah, I think, think it's, it's interesting because I think Richard Branson is um, not sure what he, what he wants to do. I mean, he was a bit more of a stunt guy, right? He likes to be a good go-off and he had a good idea and he was, he was dumping quite a bit of money into his project, but, but it, it hasn't really gone anywhere since he's he's kind of plateaued with his little um, Virgin Galactic and his uh, sort of Spaceship One and his little uh, sort of you know, basically recreational vehicle that goes into suborbit. And beyond that, though, he doesn't really do much. So he could sell tickets for tourists and celebrities, I suppose, to, to go and get some microgravity experience. But I don't think he's going to be shipping cargo anytime soon because he hasn't really built that infrastructure. Whereas companies like SpaceX, uh, Jeff Bezos, he's you know, for Amazon. They have a space company called Blue Origin. Uh, they're actually in the business of shipping cargo and shipping people uh, into orbit, which is really where the money at this point. Well, they've already mastered the lo- the logistics, right? They well, just with Amazon. Yeah. So do you think? So do you think Amazon's going to airdrop stuff to my house now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be by drone. Everything will be by drone. Uh, that's that is actually interesting. You mentioned that too, because like I was reading earlier about um, uh, like billionaires and and rich people going up into space, and they've already been doing it. And it's just I no, I haven't heard about it until I was just reading up on it uh, the other day. Like their SpaceX is even talking about getting. Uh, I guess it's their their next uh, their next model of shuttle, which is I think it's called the Starship or something like that. Just called Starship, and the idea is that it's one of the things that it can do is give tours around the moon, or you can do like an you'll you'll they'll send guys up to the space station just for a visit, or they'll do an orbit of the Earth or something like that. Big money, obviously, but and it is, and that's the thing. It's a, the door is really starting to uh, to come open, and it's because you know for the longest time. Um, you know, there was very restrictive access to space and, and there's been a maturity, if you will, across the entire circle. For one thing, you know, just like air travel, you know, in the beginning, a few people did well and it was kind of restrictive. But, you know, as we kind of got comfortable with the technology and things were generally better, it got easier to some extent. And that's kind of where we're starting to arrive with the, all of the space technology. So, 
there's a lot of mature companies out there. We've cracked a lot of the basic problems uh, that were required. And as a result, we've kind of opened up the next layer of what you can do in space. I mean, there's still a lot of risk and there's still a lot of, a lot of problems and a lot of challenges to overcome, but, but it's a lot easier than it used to be. So uh, in a comparison, we're kind of like, we're out of the biplane era. We're kind of into the single wing prop engine era space travel but we're not quite in the jet age yet but we're, we're making good progress and uh, you know it's very likely that in the next 10 20 years or so we're going to start to see some pretty interesting things taking place uh, once this door opens yeah definitely like i mean i almost feel like we're underselling the what's actually happened and all like we kind of i wouldn't say we've glazed over it but like the fact that a private corporation working in tandem with a government corporation has sent two U.S. astronauts from U.S. soil, first time happening in like nine years, um, to the International Spaceship on a, on a U.S. mission. That's That in and of itself is significant. But just the fact that space can, you know, space can be privatized. Okay, well, this is new. You know, this is actually, this is pretty fucking cool. Uh, we haven't really, it's, it's something that we haven't really done before. And that's, that to me is what is the most exciting part, I would say, for me at least. Um, cause like I was explaining to whiskey last time we were recorded a couple weeks ago, um, that, you know, I kind of got the feeling watching the feed, watching the, uh, watching the YouTube uh, channel and everything of the launch that like, I, I kind of equated it with like people watching their loved ones getting on a ship and sailing out to the horizon. You know, I got that kind of, it's, I'm over romanticizing it maybe, but yeah, you get that idea. Like I almost feel connected to the people back in the Apollo missions back in the, in the sixties. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, cause it's just, it's, it's exciting. Right. And, and um, for a little while now, you know, astronauts have realized that you, you know, they, I mean, the U S got in thanks you know, people like Walt Disney and, uh, and Collier magazine, you know, you know, Werner von Braun basically took the idea of going to space to the American public, and as a result, you know, he and a largely built the momentum uh, and you know, put himself on you know, land of the world of tomorrow and, and, and you know, Walt Disney shows and what day. He did that because he wanted people to fall in love with it, and he was successful with doing that. And that I think is now, but it's going to start to happen again because you know, NASA was a bit of a big bureaucracy, a bit stodgy. You know, like all government organizations, right? You have to be careful what you, you have to be careful how you sell it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, you know, Elon Musk opened up SpaceX with a mariachi band you know, and eighty people back in you know, two thousand eight. You know, and ten years down the road, he's got eight thousand employees. You know, and he can wear a cool shirt and you know, suit jeans, and he can jump up and down when these things go up. Yeah, but I, I, I think, I think, I, I think, like they're doing fantastic things. I mean, Elon Musk is a, a CEO is. Like even his board of directors say he's he's pretty scary. Um, I mean, if you look if you look at the net value of SpaceX and even Tesla, um, their stock is really high, but there's no there's not a lot of substance behind that yet, and they don't pay dividends. So even if you own their stock, it's all speculative. Um, so there's the business the business side I think needs to be cleaned up a lot better. Um, and speaking of cleaning up, I mean like. Uh, there, there's an economic theory that this talks about anything that's free is open for abuse. So travel to space is, is not technically free, but once you're there, it's all free. So no one's cleaning up the space junk. Um, and we spend so much time trying to protect their satellites because there's so much junk floating around. I mean, there, there's got to be a, a balance that goes on after that. So what are your, what are your thoughts on space junk cleanup? Well, isn't that what space, SpaceX is doing? Like, the, what part of the but their missions is that they're trying to, like, their their unmanned missions is that they go and recover all the crap and junk that's out in space, as up alongside with uh, you know sending up supplies to the astronauts, especially at the ISS. Yeah, like it was interesting. So you know, like when SpaceX came along, and they said, well, "How do you how do you make you know space profitable?" And they said, "Well, you know, it's very expensive to." To put stuff into orbit. It's one time I think it was twelve thousand dollars a kilogram or something like that. And uh, they said, "Well, we got to do it better and do it cheaper." Well, how would you do that? <laughs> you could start by reusing the rockets, you know, because everything's you know, hundred million dollars for one shot, and then it's gone into the ocean. So they said, "Well, you know, what? we're going to come up with a way to get them back." And so they did that. So he kind of killed two birds with one stone. One, he he made his business model accessible and, and offered up a discount, well, which allowed him to gain business. And then also two. You know, he can put a positive spin on it by saying, hey, look, you know, not only are we going to give it to you cheaper, but we're also going to do our little bit to 
not leave so much stuff up in orbit or you know, have to force it down, back down into the atmosphere uh, where it can burn up over the ocean somewhere. Um, and, the, and of course, the other thing too, I think we have to go to Whiskey's point, he's right, which is, you know, that's, that's the American approach to things. The other countries that launch into orbit do not have that vision and do not really care. And uh, we saw that actually not too long ago when the Chinese uh, rocket basically came sailing back in and missed New York City by 15 minutes as it went smashing into the Atlantic Ocean on an un, uh, what they call an unguided and uncontrolled reentry. <laughs> Holy shit, I did not know about that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I have to wonder if they didn't do it on purpose just to send a message to say, hey, look, we have the trajectory. We can hit you if you want to. <laughs> we accidentally dropped our missile or our satellite next to your city. Jesus. Yeah, that's one thing Donald Trump needs now to talk about China with. <laughs> yeah. As if, they don't, they don't, if there isn't enough friction already. <laughs> well, he's got other problems. But it is, it is big money. I mean, so NASA was paying $80 million for a seat in a Russian Soyuz rocket. Uh, and so... That's so just would, a slap in the face. Yeah, so they would buy maybe two or three seats a year uh, to get up to the International Space Station. Now, the Russian space agency you know, only had about a $2 billion budget. So when they lose two, $300 million a year to that budget, that's a big hit in the face for them. And the Russians are quite rightly concerned uh, because they're suddenly going to lose a lot of their business that they were able... Because they were the only... We're able to sort of strong arm the Americans. They can't do that anymore. Hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it, well, that's uh, it's it's a com- commoditizing. I mean, it's um, yeah, commoditizing the the the, the, the traffic to space. Um, but if I, I want to go back to um, what about the when you talk about commercial applications now. It, because it's open to commerce now commerce is deciding who goes and it's you know like a safety protocol so like covid 19 pandemic now it affects the international space uh station right uh, uh so you have you know 10 people upstairs on this on the space station one of them dies i mean there there's a kind of an interesting thing about that right well it's it's interesting because one thing the one thing the space agencies quickly understood was uh, was isolation and quarantine prior to launch. They've been doing it since the 1960s, quite honestly, because uh, when they, you know it's an interesting story when Apollo 8 went around the moon, the first uh, you know human crewed spacecraft to go around lunar orbit, Frank Borman, who was the uh, astronaut in charge of the mission, uh, along with Bill Anders and Jim Lovell, well Frank Borman got 24 hour flu. On the way to the moon, basically, you know, his diabetic and upchucking halfway to lunar orbit. No, uh, no, because of some bad pudding or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that little capsule. But uh, it's, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was fine by the time they got to lunar orbit. But uh, it, it, you know, they learned their lessons, and so after that, they very, like, very, very strict uh, about how they uh, quarantine their astronauts prior to departure. Uh, when Scott Kelly. The American astronaut lived on the space station for a year. I mean, he went through pretty extensive isolation prior to leaving because, of course, you know, they needed him to go and it was a big mission and they couldn't afford for him to get sick. So, it's uh, yeah, it's something they take very seriously. Hmm. Whoa. Must be stressful. Because I, 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 I had a friend who once told me about, he used to work on the subs, uh, submarines, and he says, Oh yeah, uh, and he says when they clean out the shitters, be careful. No one's on the ship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ew, <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, as I say, no, it's it's fascinating because you, know, you know I think we've gotten used to space travel because of the way television shows it, and we don't we kind of forget about all that stuff, you know. But there's a lot of things that you've got to look after. When you're in orbit, even something as simple as trying to go to the bathroom. Well, you're, I mean, it's funny you talk about TV shows and stuff like that. You're, I was going to ask you, you're a, you're a pretty accomplished gentleman. When you get stressed out, do you start singing Beach Boys tunes? Uh, no. no I, 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 I swear I have worked with that scientist uh, that's portrayed in that show. I've met guys like that for in real life. Yeah. For the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Space Force, the new uh, Netflix TV show that's on. It's incredible. You've got to go watch it. If, I'm assuming you've started watching it there, Dr. Green. Oh, yeah. I've got one. I've got one episode left to go through. So. Oh, it's so good. 
<laughs> it is what I imagine. Like it, it takes bureaucracy to its extreme, and it is what I imagine every bureaucracy ends up being. Like it, it's so, it just seems so accurate to me. There, there's certainly, you know, obviously there's a lot of tongue in cheek and inside sort of inside baseball jokes in the show, you know. But like all things, right? Cliches is a grain of truth in them. Yeah. Uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No. Very entertaining show and very well done. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know where to, I don't know where else to take this. I mean, I've, I've, I got my nerd on just basically watching this whole, uh, watching this whole thing. Like it's, it's been I've pretty got, crazy. I've got a conspiracy that you may be interested in. And I oh. like yeah. So, uh, as I was reading through some of the Russian news reports, uh, earlier today, um, one of the things that got mentioned in one of them was that, uh, the uh, Russians said that they were happy that SpaceX had been successful because now they could get their seats back in their Soyuz capsules to put more Russian cosmonauts into orbit and that they could resume their research program, including going back to the moon. Hmm. And so I'm like, is there another space race that nobody's talking about? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that was on the table. <laughs> so what they're saying is like th- that there's room freed up on their own spacecraft. Yeah. Cause in a Soyuz, there's three seats and mm-hmm. normally mix right you'd have a american two russians two americans a russian the odd european space agent canadian guy whatever uh going in there but now all three seats will go back to russia so, interesting yeah they plan to do more with their space i guess <laughs> uh, i didn't realize that they were thinking about they couldn't get to the moon the first time so i'm not sure how they're going to get there this time but that's kind of terrifying well i mean have you seen the inside of those uh of those th- those craft like i saw one before and they're like all cramped and crimped in there it, it looks nasty I understand where they got the concept for the Klingon Empire. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely a different approach to comfort. Uh, my father would disagree with you. He would, uh, he would say, well, he wouldn't disagree with you. He's like, well, if they're the Klingons, then the Americans are the Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Russia. Just because they got, got to the moon doesn't mean that they come back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just awful. But <laughs> you were, you were t- like, are you worried that we're polluting space so much that we may not be able to get there? Is that, uh, is that a concern? I, I am. I'm worried about that. I mean, I've have you seen the footage of like just the uh, like they have that video on YouTube? I think it's. Uh, and I'll see if I can find it, but it just shows the amount of shit that's just floating around in orbit. Oh yeah, there's a lot. A lot. Uh, I know one of the things that's really troubling right now is the Starlink satellites that uh, SpaceX is putting up. Um, it's creating like space tracks. So, for example, for astronomers, and they're trying to take pictures or they're trying to examine something. Of course, you know, in the longer exposure, might be trying to take a picture of some nebula, or some distant galaxy, and then all of a sudden you have a bunch of white lines right through the middle of your photograph, and the Starlink satellites go by. <laughs> so it's become quite a quite a bit of trouble actually lately. Well, I, I, I'm more on the side is I'm worried that. Space, commoditizing space, space, uh, space travel. But when we really need space, it's uh, our world is going to be so polluted that it's going to create extra obstacles for us. Well, that's that's what we do. We pollute things, isn't that? Uh, that isn't that our forte as a human race? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. Let's make islands out of plastic. <laughs> yeah, the planet, the planet of garbage. Yeah, but except it's traveling 17,500 miles a second. Yeah. Yeah, the island, the the plastic island is the size of Texas, isn't it? We we should go colonize it. (laughs) 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 Go go stick old glory in it and salute. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, it's really, it's really. If it's in international waters, we're we're good, right? Space pirates, right? It's te- technically international law applies in the sea. But, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. curious to know, like, I, I, don't know, I don't know why actually Elon Musk has had such an advantage. Like, because I mean, I, I thought Jeff, you know, Jeff Bezos has got lots of money and resources. He's got his own program in West Texas. He's got his own launch facilities too. And I'm just, uh, I'm interested in the fact that you know that, that Musk has kind of really pulled out front here, you know, and uh, that the other sort of like entrepreneurs, if you will, the other sort of uh, uh, Howard Hughes of the day that are chasing with their own dreams, but they're just he's really, really taking a, a lead over the other companies. So, I'm not sure if he's going to be the only guy 
down for a while or start that competition? I think it has to do with age. I, I, I think it's a bit of age and, and his tolerance for risk. Like Elon Musk just got married, just had his kid, whereas Jeff Bezos has been married for a while now, just getting divorced. Yeah, can um, spell, like how do you spell that daughter's name anyway? I saw it's like some weird character symbol thing. Yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, I think he just. He, I think he did, they did it just to fuck with media. <laughs> I mean, he's he's just he's. I, I would say he's better at self promotion. He is to, you know, like he is to that. Like I just, I wrote in the chat, he's also been in an Iron Man movie. He just, well, think about what Jeff Bezos as a person is known for other than just being filthy, stinking rich, right? Like what, what, what have we seen him or what has the common person seen him in the news? Uh, biggest probably divorce settlement in, in, in human history. You know, yeah. like that's basically what they see him as. They don't see him as this like, like you say, this Howard Hughes type, this, uh, um, they just see him as a filthy, disgustingly rich, uh, entrepreneur who has mastered, uh, how to get shit to people in a extremely tiny, timely manner. Uh, I think that's kind of narrow minded, but <laughs> yeah. you do know who you're talking to, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes down to what they were masters of. So one's an engineer, one guy's a software developer. They one mastered the media, his medium. So it, I mean, online shopping, the the payment system is built into Amazon. It's AI program. It's all software stuff. It's it's analytics, and then pursuing customer market share. That's what he 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 mastered in. Elon Musk is a, is a different set of expertise. It was about having a vision, pushing technology like he did. PayPal was a, a technology push. Um, he pushed that piece. Then he switched over to electric cars. Like he was always fascinated with the hardware part, not just the software. So it's like they're, they're very different, my friend. Well, and, and it's funny because, you know, like so you know, Elon Musk understands showmanship. He's really kind of got that. You know, like he put a he puts a car in space, not just any car, a red car with a with a guy driving it. A Tesla, uh, one yeah, of his cars. Yeah, oh, space junk. Yeah, space junk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loading. Don't tell that to Cognac. He owns one. Yeah, but he took that picture, you know, of the guy basically in his convertible with the Earth in the background. It's one of the most amazing pictures, space pictures, probably of the 20th century, 21st century. You know, his rockets are called Dragon, and you know, he's got these cool names and these sort of cool looks and. I don't know. Have either of you actually seen Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin rocket? No. If not, well, just go online and Google it and tell me what you think it looks like. Did he just GFGI me? <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> did. Like, no, seriously. I mean, you, you trust me. Trust me on this. Just, just go and type in Blue Origin rocket and then take a look at some of those those pictures. Tell me what you think. God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big dildo with writing on it. <laughs> Holy shit. Whoa. Oh my god. Fire that engineer right now. Holy fuck. <laughs> Make sure you give the head lots of attention while you're stroking the shaft, boys. Well, well wait, when it explodes when it explodes a tampon comes out, right? Oh my god. <laughs> you compare the uh, the crew dragon that actually looks like a dragon's head. You know, it's got this really cool slick kind of design to it. Well, everything about it looks like it looks like what I you know if you if you go back to old uh, space age kind of reels or uh, just like the artwork that was done and and some of the science fiction fan fiction that's what it looks like it looks like what people envision the future would be for space travel back in the day not this blue origin thing no no that looks like overcompensation it looks like it looks like what Donald Trump thinks his dick looks like. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah i was surprised when i saw this the first time they rolled this thing out for a test i was like wow really yeah you know that meme on the internet where the the the, the guy kind of reels back and then he looks for he gets up out of his seat and he's just like confused and he's like that's a penis <laughs> i'll see if i can find that that's fucking hilarious you know, and even even the name too. Like, you know, what what I don't really understand what the Blue Origin. Like, I've read the the little write up for the, you know, the Blue Feather and all this business, and 
and that. But again, it doesn't roll off the tongue easy. You know, it's not something that you can remember simply. It's this sort of complicated, you know, background story, and so it's just different. It's a different approach to marketing for sure. <laughs> the biggest cock in space. <laughs> That's oh, like uh, that's like um, Austin Powers. Remember that, sir? <laughs> it's a giant Johnson. <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're going or what's coming up next, but uh, we'll have to see what uh, Amazon has in store for you. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know what I'm really upset about, though is uh no 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 you know what really grinds my gears <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't know how to word this without sounding like an asshole is that this is this is an important milestone in human exploration um and it's being overshadowed by some pretty horrible shit i don't know i i, I don't i don't expect us to go into talking about this stuff but I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts are, Doctor Green, on on how what it means for the messaging of space travel and exploration when everybody's the whole world's our head their, their head is turned toward uh, something else that's going on that's obviously critically important to society, but um, it I don't know what are your thoughts? Well, you know it's it's interesting because there's a there's a very you know unfortunate parallel that is taking place this year. Uh, especially for the United States. And so to go back to my earlier uh, uh, comment about Apollo 8, so Apollo, Apollo 8 goes around the moon in December 1968. And if you guys know your history at all, 1968 is not a really good year for the United States. Uh, the t- it starts with the Tet Offensive in yeah. Vietnam, uh, and things start to unravel from there. Uh, Robert Kennedy is assassinated uh, when he for the presidency. Uh, they have the Democratic National Convention riots and the race riots as well that go on that year pretty miserable year actually all things considered and when apollo 8 goes around the moon at christmas in 1968 and on their way back um uh, michael collins who is one of the apollo 11 astronauts he serves as the capsule communicator and mission control so the capcom for short and he reads a bunch of you know congratulatory letters that they get from various people but somebody wrote in a simple letter basically saying you know thank you for saving 1968 uh, and I have to wonder that you know, you know, Elon Musk has done something to give people a little bit of a spark of hope of what is possible when you sort of bring them all together, as opposed to the apart. So, in time will tell how effective it is, of course. But, you know, I know, but that's a very eloquent way of putting it. I like that. You know, but they really, really needed this, and they got it. So, yeah. You know, no, you're you're right. It's like it's almost like the the best the the best and the worst of. Uh, of mankind is happening simultaneously and he's and there's always got to be a balance somewhere down the line i mean because you know 1968 was terrible i mean like i said you know tet offensive uh, martin luther king was assassinated in April. robert kennedy gets assassinated in june uh you know they have the democratic conventions and riots and just you know uh it just goes downhill like really really downhill in 1968 just a terrible year for the united states and then apollo 8 gets around the moon first humans to to navigate the, the lunar uh, body, you know, it's just, it just it just kind of brought everything kind of back together. Thankfully, I, I really do hope because uh, so SpaceX is supposed to do another launch in August. Uh, this time they're going to put three people up, including a Japanese uh, astronaut from a Japanese space agency. So I'm hoping that that goes really well as well, and perhaps gives them something to look forward to going into what's surely to be a very divisive and probably very nasty election uh, in the fall. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know they're going to use that to their advantage um, as a as a uh, voting point. Even you know, I can just picture it now in the in the the way that the, the debate's going. Yeah, we were dealing with all this shit, and we also put two people in space for the first time in ten years. You know, like I can see that happening, um, and and it becoming a political point, which it sucks. But I mean, what are you going to do? What can you what can you do about something like that? Much, I guess, but, yeah. So, but you know, time will tell. I mean, it, again, it depends where people's minds are focused, and you know how we how we see all of this. So, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's been nine years since the United States has been in the launch business. I mean, I remember as a kid going to uh, Florida and going to Cape Kennedy and the Space Center. You know, when I was 
when I was there in the late 70s and early 80s, the space shuttle was just starting. And uh, it was amazing. Like, I honestly thought that when I grew up, I was going to be like Dr. Haywood Floyd in 2001 Space Odyssey. And, you know, Pan American would still be flying and I would get on a shuttle and go to, basically go to work in space and then maybe go to the moon and work on the moon. Uh, because the way they sold the space shuttle was the same way. You know, you basically, you basically went into orbit wearing a bicycle helmet and a golf shirt, uh, at least until the Challenger accident. Um, you know, but it was just, it was, it was normalized. They, they, and they, and at some points they were launching twice a month. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember going one year and there were two space shuttles stacked up on the two launch complexes ready to go. I'd never seen that before. It looked like, looked like that scene of the James Bond and, and Moonraker, you know, with all the space shuttles taking yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, you know, yeah. I'm, <laughs> Elon Musk, is that not a James Bond villain? Oh, like, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely he is. Like, that's just, that's a villain's name right there. Textbook, textbook. Um, we were talking, uh, we were actually going to try and record this episode last week, but um, things kind of, scheduling kind of didn't work out. But I'm glad it did, because I'm glad that happened the way it did, because it was funny when they were actually... Uh, so within, I think it was 19 hours from the time they launched to the time where they docked with the International Space Station. I'm talking about uh, Bob and Doug here. It was kind of interesting watching all the feeds, and I was watch- I, like, I had it kind of on in the background, um, and I was talking with all my friends. It was, it was just so funny, like watching all this. You could tell that for a long time they were probably just waiting for VIPs to arrive back at uh, back at control, just so that they could have this official thing where they watch them get onto the ISSS or the ISS. And so you see all these like they're they're just you know oh we're just gonna change some filters we're just gonna triple check the the communications and uh, we're just gonna adjust the cameras everything's everything's looking good. It's like. Uh, and meanwhile, all their comms, like their communications are going down, like color me shocked. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, you know, $40 trillion space program, you can't get the comms working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, actually, uh-huh. what I thought was pretty funny was, uh, you know, very historic moment. Uh, the eyes of the world are watching. Uh, you know, they, they were the most watched event uh, on YouTube and that day. And you come out of the capsule and you have this big historic event. You try to get yourself set up, and then you bang and cut your head open on a, on something protruding, just as they're ready to take the historical photos. As <laughs> so you try to you try to dab blood off your forehead, <laughs> blood flowing around in the in the, <laughs> the assassin zero G. It was classic. It was oh classic. man, I'm yeah, sure it, was, it was Hurley, right? It was Hurley. Yeah, it was Hurley because he he comes, he floats in, and you see he kind of goes down out of view for a second, and then the camera kind of shakes, and he comes back up. And I'm, I'm, I've just been checking online here, but I, I think he, he banged his head on one of the camera mounts and basically cut his head open. Uh, sort of it should, you know, damn really cameras. Going. Exactly. You know? <laughs> damn. It, was this thing tested in zero G? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it works. You know, these guys are smart. They, they know what to do. So it's not bad timing, of course. It's like, you know, the only thing that would have been better is if he had his eyes. Yeah, I just, I could hear the bureaucratic, <laughs> I could hear the bureaucracy just churning. Do you want safety brief? Because that's how we get safety briefs. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, whiskey, what do you got? How, do we know do we know if they've set one into orbit, reused it a couple of times to see how, what the longevity is? Yeah. So, so the so the um, so the rocket itself, the Falcon Nine Heavy that they used to launch in space, um, they can use those things for up to ten missions. Uh, and so, in fact, they just did another mission. I think for the Starlink satellites. I think that was the tenth use of that rocket, which is the end of its normal life cycle. The, the Crew Dragon capsule, the one that they used to actually get to the space station and dock with the space station, my understanding is that it can be used three times at least, maybe more, uh, depending. Uh, obviously, because <clears throat> when, they, when they come back down, uh, they try to catch them because if they land in the ocean, the salt water does quite the number on a lot of these machines. So it depends on whether they'll catch it on one of their ships uh, or how they do the recovery. And also, too, I know that some of the uh, the, the crew dragon stuff, there's also a land recovery option 
uh, the same way that the Russians do theirs, they land on land instead of the ocean. But, but the, the rocket is designed to be reused, and, and that is what brings the cost down and also uh, you know, sort of gives them a freeze up money to do other things. Would you volunteer for that mission? Do you want to catch this giant piece of uh, metal coming out of the sky <laughs> at terminal velocity? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the parachutes open because when they don't, you're basically a cannonball. <laughs> so, yeah, and hopefully, you're not in line to receive that cannonball. I mean, it, it's happened. It's happened once before. It happened to the Russians very early on. Actually, the very first Soyuz mission that they did, uh, the parachutes didn't open into entry, and the, the cosmonaut was killed. And that's exactly what happened. Basically, got stuck in this cannonball and couldn't, uh, couldn't slow them down. So it is it is dangerous. I mean, there is there is risk, you know. So I was uh, looking at some stats actually, just out of interest. So apparently, the very first space shuttle mission it had a it had a one in twelve chance of a complete failure, and I think the odds for the SpaceX Crew Dragon I think was a one in sixty two chance of crew loss and a one in ninety chance of mission failure. I think those would be the odds. For that. Those aren't very good odds. That. Oh, they're fantastic odds for space travel. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I yeah. just uh, it, it sounds like something the sounds like something the Russians would say. It's funny watching it's funny watching the Russians on that feed as well. All I could think about was that Russian the Russian cosmonaut from uh, Armageddon. I can't remember who played him. Uh, yeah, he's like. Yeah. Welcome to Russian space station. Don't touch that, you know. <laughs> That's all I can think about. He's got his arms folded, just this this scowl spread across his face permanently. This is because he means he's going to have to do more work from now on, or he may not get to go back. So, yeah. You know, this is going to be the end of the agency. But uh, yeah, no, it's. I mean, the Russians have had everything. They've had uh, they've had crashes, and there they had a fire on their own space station, the space station Mir that they had in the 1980s. Actually, I think the British uh, guest astronaut was on board at the time as well. Um, so they've done fire in space. They um, they almost lost one of their space stations back in the mid 80s. In fact, they were concerned that the Americans had built the space shuttle in order to kidnap it, just like again, just like a James Bond movie. Um, because for whatever fluke of history, the payload bay of the space shuttle just happened to be the exact diameter and size of the Russian space station. And so <laughs> they instantly put two and two together and got 45. <laughs> wow. We're convinced that they kidnapped their space station. But they've been through it all. Yeah. Particularly so hard. They're going to kidnap this space station. Where are they going to hawk this thing? Who's, is there buyers? Not colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> No, you take it to the moon base on the dark side of the moon, man. <laughs> That's where you go. No, okay, okay. Beyond the sea of tranquility. So, conspiracy theory. Werewolves. <laughs> conspiracy theory. The yep. SpaceX actually do a launch. <laughs> oh no, no, it's all in the green screen. It was all YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know, man. That car, it was actually just photoshopped. That's right. Yeah. Well, somebody said once, you know, that they were so good at faking the moon landing that they had to do it seven times. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just to make got it right. Yeah. Somebody said that. It's just like, you know how hard it would be to actually fake the moon landing? It's actually easier to just fucking go to the moon. <laughs> you couldn't keep sexual impropriety in the White House Oval Office a secret. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how you. 400,000 people's mouths shut. <laughs> you know, that we, yes, we filmed this in the desert. Nobody say anything. They're not tell- well, they think, oh. like, they think government has like infinite resources or the time to try and take the, all these different random angles, angles to come up with some sort of alternate meaning to what's happening rather than just being genuine like Bill Gates and his microchip. Well, as I said to a little while ago, <clears throat> The government agency, after all, right? Like, I mean, I can't even connect to the printer down the hallway most of the time. Now you're telling me I'm going to hide space aliens? Am I like, no? <laughs> <laughs> you give it, they give us a level of efficiency and ability uh, far beyond what we can really do. What about that dude that tried to prove that the Earth was flat by shooting himself up into, into, into the atmosphere? And yeah, then he... Go ahead. That's it. Darwin took care of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Poor. 
<laughs> Poor did fucker. He, did he, is he dead? Did he, did he die? Yeah, he or died. He He's totally oh, dead. Did he blow up or did he crash? He crashed. He, he crashed, yeah. Coming back down. Oh. Hitting the that rounders. Was, that, 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 that was NASA shooting him down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't make fun of the dead, man. <laughs> no matter how stupid they are. But he's clearly not stupid if he was able to get himself up there. Well, he didn't go very far. I mean, he, he built some sort of catapult-like system. I think that, that launched his rocket into the air. And then down. Huh. Yeah, he didn't go very far. No. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Cognac, uh, I was talking with, so Cognac's another host on our show. I'm not sure if you're a listener there, Dr. Green. I, I assume not, but we got another kind of co-host that comes in and uh, talks with us as well. And he was lamenting the fact that SpaceX is not a publicly traded company. And why don't they, why don't they go public? And maybe that's a question also for you, Whiskey. Yeah, I mean, I've been like I've just been waiting for them to go public because share price I'm sure will be quite good. Oh yeah, uh, but I mean they've there's no I know that right now they're still a private company and I think they don't have any plans to go public anytime soon. Well, the reason why you'd be a pro- uh, a publicly traded company is when you want to sell sell stock in order to raise capital to do something. Yeah. So if let's say you know they need to create their own space station and they needed billions of dollars to do it. They could do it through a, uh, a stock offering. Um, so I would say that's, that's probably going to happen. We just don't know when. Um, and then it'd be very interesting because now as much as space would be interpreted as a public commodity, if you will, cause it's, it's, it's free and open. Um, now you have people owning, shares in a company, the public now, uh, or investors now having a, a, a stake in what SpaceX is doing. If they have a stake in it, they also have a, a slight say in it, which is, is very interesting too. But I don't think Elon Musk uh, likes that so much considering he uh, his troubles with the board of directors at Tesla mm-hmm. and his comments and how he is. He likes to just be real, but at, when you're a CEO of a publicly traded company, you have those certain certain expectations. But just keep in mind too, um, you, like Tesla hasn't made money yet. Yeah, and also too, like you can get fired, right? I mean, that's what happened with Steve Jobs. I mean, you know, they basically kicked him out of Apple. Uh, you know, so I think I think Elon Musk is. I know from reading his biography that uh, uh, he does learn from. History. I think he's reluctant to give up SpaceX to public. Oversight because you could potentially be removed from the company uh, through a vote, and so I don't know if he'd ever want to let go of the helm. I um, imagine I not. It, it, it all it, it all depends on on the on the statements because you can still own majority shares. It all depends how it's set up, right? Yeah, true enough. And plus, too, if the project's big enough, you just might need the money anyway, so you may have to raise shares. Well, isn't another option that he has, because he owns these different companies, that he just removes capital from, or can you really do that? Because you own, a, like, I guess you can't do that. Like, if you, I'm, I'm suggesting that, you know, he uses uh, some of the capital from Tesla and has that, you know, he does some money shuffling, you know, I'm explaining it poorly, but does some money shuffling, and then all of a sudden we're able to get, you know, the funding for the next launch or whatever the hell it is he's trying to do. It's a very, very uh, narrow way to look at it, but obviously you can't do that. I'm just, anyway. Well, you can, it's just, there's, there's ways to do it and it never looks good. No. So him injecting, taking money out of Tesla, you're essentially disadvantaging Tesla investors. That's right. So he would have, you would basically set Tesla is going to give a grant to SpaceX. Companies give grants all the time. Yeah. Right. Well, like you said, and they just write they write it off as a loss for huh. revenues they don't have. <laughs> Interesting. <Yeah>. Legit. <laughs> it does. So. So maybe we should talk about the the effects. I mean, we we say that uh, you know the decline. I, I want. 
I won't go into Black Lives Matter and how their influence of, of uh, Russian trolls since the election's coming again. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what other benefits do you see in the near term about what, uh, for society at large, uh, for what SpaceX is doing? Well, you know, I, I think when last time we all got together, I talked to this a little bit, which is that uh, we, we're going to have to do this eventually. Like, you know, the sun, the sun basically is halfway through its life. So we may not be around to see the results, but, you know, at some point we're going to have to pack it up and move along. And there's a lot of things that we need to understand before we even come close to doing that. And so there's a lot of work ahead of us. But, you know, ever since, pretty much ever since we built mechanical works, you know, now it just becomes a matter of solving the problems one by one and figure out the journey that gets you where you want to go. So but that's that's a lot of work and it's multi-generational work. And I think that there's really, you know, there's no perfect time. There's no reason to not start now. And it's something that uh, I think that's the benefit. That's the big benefit, the big picture benefit. Um, you know, but of course, yeah, there's going to be a lot of risk. There's going to be challenges ahead. There's going to be obviously people are going to lose uh, as part of the process. Uh, as it moves forward, just like any, you know, there's always losers and winners in any endeavor. Um, you know, the United States was built by was essentially, uh, you know, the great railroads, the the great banks, the all of the, the great industries. Most of those were partially criminal enterprises to some extent, and and certainly took advantage of people in order to, be, to become successful. Um, and that just seems to be part of the price tag in a lot of these endeavors. And I, I wonder, I don't think SpaceX is going to be able to avoid all that in the long term. Uh, even if they do their best to try. You mentioned something interesting there about the sun being halfway through its life cycle. Do you think, <laughs> and okay, like, I know I, it sounds weird how I've just interjected like that, but like, I, I know you, you kind of made your point there. No, no, seriously. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting because when we think about that and a lot of people say, well, yeah, but that's like, we still got another what five billion years that we could, uh, you know, like that's that's it's going to be around for a long time, because um, we don't know we don't understand that time on that scale, and well, we just say, well, it's just five million years. I mean, I'm only going to be alive for another fucking fifty, right? So, so what they do is, do you think, do you think that that kind of dilutes the whole point of what you're what you're getting at? It's like, oh, we got tons of time. It, it becomes like. A, a societal or speciesist uh, procrastination measure. It's like, oh, we got tons of time, you know. Well, we, we do and we don't, right? So we, um, you know, at best case scenario is we have three and a half billion years left. Um, the worst case scenario uh, was yesterday. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a massive football stadium-sized asteroid uh, sailed past the Earth, thankfully, uh, just about ten times farther away than the Moon is. But there is all sorts of natural junk that comes flying through our uh, solar system on a regular basis. And um, I was I was just I was I was just going to say we've already had the pandemic. Next movie yeah. we're going to go through is Armageddon. Well, that's just it. You know, you got murder hornets and eternal uh, <laughs> threat, um, and uh, and then you yeah you've got Armageddon. So I mean, yeah, in best case scenario we've got all that time, but in a in a more rational approach, we probably don't have that much time. Uh, for one thing, um, you know, if you know anything about solar geography and the uh, system, Mars has got two moons, uh, which are both kind of odd shaped. One looks like a potato, uh, but they're slowly decaying in their orbits. And it's a very good chance that one of them is actually going to hit Mars uh, sooner than later. And when it does, it's going to upset a lot of things in the solar system. Oh, so, yeah, no shit. So even though the sun is still going to be cooking away and, and not anywhere near the end of its life cycle, there's no guarantee that we're still going to be here. So, well, I mean, all it takes is like one solar flare to shoot out and just completely wipe down our system or wipe out our, our electromagnetic grid and, and, and completely fuck the planet up. You know, like all, yeah, that's terrifying. In and of hey, itself. Hey, I, I, I just got this YouTube video in my head. Um, us launching this giant penis with a big warhead at the end of the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to blow the load. <laughs> Fuck that solar flare. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, in a way, I mean, it's good that people don't really know math that well and don't really understand astrophysics because I don't think anybody would get any sleep if they realized just how violent the solar system is and mm -hmm. all the, the things that can. That's why I don't 
worry about anything because I mean, who cares if you don't, uh, you know, get your taxes filed on time? You know, there's a half a dozen, uh, you know, basically you know, tractor trailer truck sized asteroids that go sailing through the atmosphere. Any one of them which could destroy your city. You know? So you know, don't worry about it. Just enjoy your afternoon. <laughs> yeah, just don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Deliver the payload. Launch the penetrator. <laughs> wow. Sorry. And I thought I was the immature one. What's going to happen? Just like the Ontario craft beer uh, industry has gone out the window with the branding of its beer, all of which seems to taste the same, actually. Um, but you know, a million different yeah. names, but uh, you know, imagine when they get to rockets and people start running out of really cool names for rockets. You know, what are they going to start calling stuff? <laughs> Victor, the indictor. <laughs> there you go. You could have a, you could have a listener's competition where they could write in with their, their best rocket names. Uh, so you, and then you, guys, you guys could read about on another show. Oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're going we're gonna to get into the Bodie McBoat face, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, the, that was nearly a reality, so you can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear about this? I think I did. I think I did on John Oliver last week tonight. I think I heard about it there. <laughs> Bodie McBoat face. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fun and games until you, somebody comes up with a really cool idea and then that's it. No, it's all fun and games until you ask the internet a question. Yeah. That's, that's what it comes down to. The internet always wins, by the way. It never loses. It always wins. Yeah, but the thing is, you, 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 get, you get things like code for, uh, uh, for something else, like tossing the salad, going to the Urban Dictionary. Oh, you, oh God. yeah, I'm very... Very benign looking things that turn out to be something have the totally off, opposite connotation. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Green. I'm sorry for my co host. Uh, I thought we were going to have an intelligent conversation here. <laughs> right, I've got my tinfoil hat here just in case. So. <laughs> yeah. he wants to, if he wants to wear his colander on his head, he's more than welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no chin straps because they make me look weak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry, I've been working in the sun all day. It's uh, it's it, it's nice to have a good laugh. <laughs> what do you What have you been up to? What have you been up to, whiskey? Oh, just gardening, uh, getting yeah. the garden going. I've been digging. I, I'm at war with a raccoon. I'm at war with a raccoon. Oh, more. <laughs> how is the war anyway? How How are the battles going? Because <laughs> the last time we talked about this, you were chasing them <laughs> in flip flops with a shotgun <laughs> at like one o'clock in the morning while while drunk on homebrew. <laughs> hey, we all have hobbies. Don't be judging. <laughs> that was a coyote. <laughs> oh man. Oh. If you, okay, so, it's just worth of humanity. <laughs> so, Doctor Green, you probably don't understand what's going on. We're having a little laugh, uh, doing little inside jokes. But uh, the we recorded an episode a while back, and to make a long story short, you kind of heard the gist of what happened during the episode. But I I finished it off by including uh, uh, "This Is the End" by Jim Morrison and the Doors at the very end, like as if it was like uh, like Apocalypse Now. It was <laughs> like it was a man slowly descending into madness, like uh, into the heart of darkness. That's it. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, that was pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just uh, well. I was just reading so that uh, so our, our our gentleman there, the amateur rocketeer that uh, killed himself, flat Earth guy. Uh, I guess he was uh, doing it as part of filming for a show. The Science Channel was going to make a show called Homemade Astronauts. <laughs> so, what exactly is a homemade astronaut, people? Uh, I, I can't know. think of anything. Is there, two, is, is there two S's in that answer? <laughs> <laughs> you could, if you could take something into orbit with you, what would you take with you? Uh, I had to go live on the station with that Russian astronaut in Armageddon. What would you bring? <laughs> 
Hand sanitizer. <laughs> the U.S. Constitution. Body. <laughs> I'd start shouting. I'd start shouting like, uh, "What's his name from Band of Brothers?" Say hello to Ford and General Motors. <laughs> Look how those things are going. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Sorry, it's got two S's. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh boy! Oh. Um, no, so, the, 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 the raccoon thing is like the best and worst of humanity. So I'm a nice guy. I put out the bird feeder so I can watch the Cardinals come in and have my morning cup of coffee. Get the Blue Jays coming in. Well, you know what happens at nighttime? That fucking raccoon climbs on top of my house, crawls, shimmies along, and eat, loots the bird feeder. Yeah. So then I can serve bait. What an asshole. No, no, look at him. I walk out. I walk out right in front of him. I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, to the point where I can reach out and touch him. And he just stares at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, now's a battle of wills. <laughs> are you drinking homebrew again? What are we drinking, by the way? I, I, I need to start incorporating that in the, the beginning of the episode. What are we all drinking? Well, I've, been, I've been down in the basement office, so I actually brought beer with me because it would last the longest. Oh, nice. I didn't want to be going through anything harder. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's what I started off with. I'm, I'm, I'm now back into the black bottle, but I started off with a, a, a Great Lakes Brewery. You, it's funny you mentioned Ontario craft beers. A Great Lakes Brewery uh, beer called Octopus Wants to Fight. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. Good. It's a great name. It's actually quite tasty. It's got a little fruity. It's 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 a little fruity. Like I'm not big on hoppy beers, but this is actually quite delicious, and uh, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. So naturally, you take uh, a beer that has a giant octopus on it, and you put it in a Japanese glass that says Sapporo on it because that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Since we're since we're going to be talking the naughty talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> better speaking of naughty talk so. <laughs> what do you got whiskey uh, i got a growler from uh, gananoque brewing i figured I'd give them a shot oh so you're uh, not drinking homebrew oh, okay no no I, I actually do have a have a bunch i just haven't had time to bottle it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still sitting there getting ready to make some dandelion wine <laughs> but, what was that Did you're still making that that's good oh yeah it's usually you do it with the first blossoms of the year so i have them all all the tea made i just got a it's in the freezer so it's uh it's just now a matter of taking it out and cleaning cleaning my uh my my uh fermenter out and putting it in dinner done (laughs) go america go launch (laughs) (laughs) oh we should Boy. probably start wrapping it up. We're at an hour now, and I don't think we're making any progress, <laughs> any further progress. <laughs> it doesn't depend on us. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's okay. I've been I've been spending the weekend digging digging a trench in my backyard, um, basically practicing for whenever I get sent to a Chinese internment camp. <sighs> You know, you know, the Cold War is over. You don't need to. You don't need those fallout shelters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing it because. Um, so we got a new build, uh, new build at our at our spot, and uh, and you know we asked for an upgrade with our electrical box. Okay. We asked for it to go to a 200 amp box, and the purpose was so I could have my shop in the garage. The thing is, is they only put two fucking outlets in the actual garage, one for each car, theoretically, even though it's not big enough really to hold two cars, but at the back wall so that you can charge your car in the winter. Um, You know, it's a great idea and all, but like, why the fuck did I ask for a 200 amp box when you only gave me two outlets? So now I have to dig a friggin' trench from the back of my house up to my garage to get like a 40 or 50 amp box put in inside the garage so that way i can have more outlets it's 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 stupid i'm kind of i'm kind of pissed off at uh at at the builders for not doing not it's not nothing with the actual guys on the ground who are who are doing the building themselves they're doing a great job 
uh, and they actually, the guy who's running the show, he's he's moving mountains to make sure people are getting the the thing that they asked for, getting the house that they asked for, and making sure that it's done properly and all that stuff. It's like, but it's the guy who's on the marketing side, who's the guy that we've been talking to, and he's just a he's just a cheap prick, you know. Anyway, personal problems, personal problems. It's not good. Oh, oh that's a. So I guess should we should wrap, maybe wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. That's probably a good thought. I've I've, I've done enough venting. <laughs> Have you got enough got enough material? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we 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 talked about the space launch uh, and how good it is for for mankind or humankind. <laughs> we talked we uh, we talked about other companies and their aver- efforts, but we 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 agree that uh, SpaceX is sort of leading the way and it gives uh, some. Uh, distinct advantage for space exploration to the west especially to the united states um and we're all eager to see what the next step is um but we all agree that there's there's some social responsibility that's required for uh dealing with the space junk and the social implications of the space travel in general but we also agree that it's it's necessary in order to protect our uh, humankind and as we move forward and before our sun dies out uh, did I miss anything? No, that was good. You're much better at that than I am. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rocks. And I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Green for coming back on the show. And uh, we look forward to having you again when, uh, when we can talk more about space again. No, thanks again, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope to see you again. Cheers. Thanks for coming. The track you're hearing is Jupiter, the Bringer of Jollity by Gustav Holst. I thought about picking Mars from the Planet Suite by Holst since that's the place we'll end up next, well, if we all don't kill each other first, but Mars gets overplayed and Jupiter doesn't, so fuck Mars. Plus, it was completely ripped off by that hack, better known as Hans Zimmer. You may have heard the same song in Gladiator, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Batman, Inception composer dude, so there. Our show, our rules. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks. Whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why am I having such a hard time saying this shit? You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at, at WhiskeyAndRocks1. The link is in the description. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Thank you.